All right, we are continuing our message series this morning. Actually, we're concluding it this morning on the parables of Jesus. And this last parable that we're looking at today may be one of the most misunderstood or misinterpreted um, parables that Jesus told. Unlike many of the other parables that Jesus explained to his disciples later that evening over, you know, uh, around the dinner table or around the campfire or something, um, the disciples don't ask for an explanation of this, and no explanation is given. So we're kind of left to interpret it for ourselves. And the parables found in all three of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to look at the version from the Gospel of Luke this morning, found in chapter 5. And there are numerous interpretations of this over the years by many scholars, and I'm not going to... Uh, Go over all those with you today. Say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to look at the one that seems to make the most sense in light of what Jesus was doing at that time in his ministry and in light of the passage of Scripture that it's located in. So um, to understand this parable or any Scripture, you really do need to look at it in the context of what's said before it and after it. And so you want to pull out a Bible out of your pew there, or if you brought your Bible, turn to Luke, the Gospel of Luke. You can look it up on your phone, too, Linda. You have permission. Right to the beginning of chapter 5. We see what the context is here. And at the beginning of chapter 5, we find uh, the heading there in mine. I don't know, it's probably a little different in yours. Jesus calls his first disciples. And this is the story where uh, Peter and James and John have been fishing all night. They've caught nothing. Jesus comes along. He borrows their boat to preach from. Then he says, cast out into the deeper waters. Put out your nets. And they catch such a great amount of fish that they can't hardly pull the nets back in. And, And he says to them, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. I'm going to teach you how to be fishers of men. All right, we're going to talk about that in the, in the next series. But he calls then Peter, James, and John to follow him. Then we find a story of a healing, man with leprosy. Then a second story, Jesus heals a man who's been paralyzed. So there's just a little bit of time that's passed. And then the next story is Jesus inviting another person to follow him, to be one of his disciples. And this guy is a man named Levi, and he's a tax collector. And the tax collectors were despised by the Jewish people at that time because they were seen uh, like traitors, because they were collecting taxes for the Roman government. They were Jews who were collecting taxes for the Roman government who were the enemies of the Jewish people. They were occupying their land. And so these tax collectors would kind of go over to the other side and collect taxes from their own people to support the Roman government. So they were, they were kind of despised by the Jewish people. And um, they were also seen as cheats because oftentimes they would collect what the Romans required of them, but then they would take a little extra for themselves and sometimes a lot extra. So Jesus calls this guy and he sees something in this man and he invites him to follow him. And when he does that, then Levi leaves everything, his tax collection booth, everything. He follows Jesus. 
And that night, he has a party. And that's the very um, previous thing that's going to be before this parable. And we find it, the story of it in verse 29. It says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the, te- and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and with sinners? So these guys are not eating the meal. They're kind of off to the side. And they're criticizing these new disciples. They're saying, hey, hey wait a minute. You don't get it. We don't eat with riffraff, you know. Uh, disciples don't do that kind of thing. So the, why are you eating with these tax collectors and sinners? And the disciples' mouths are full, so <laughs> Jesus intervenes for them. And he answers their question. He says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, those who already think they're good enough, but sinners to repentance. And so um, that answered their question, but they they weren't done. And they asked Jesus another question. And they say, okay, but why are they eating at all? And, And you see in the other two accounts in Matthew and Mark that John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting at this time for some special fast. It wasn't a a Jewish fast. They often called these little special fasts. And their disciples were fasting in this, at this time. And, and they said to, to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours are eating and drinking. And Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while they are with him? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And the, the Greek word there uh, can also be translated killed. And in those days, they will fast. So Levi throws this banquet, and on the outskirts of the crowd are some Pharisees, and, and they're questioning Jesus' selection of disciples. It, they're pointing out their unfitness. And it's at that point that Jesus tells this parable. It starts in verse 36. He says, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. If they do, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And people do not pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And none of you, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for you say, the old is better. So Jesus tells this parables about old wineskins and torn coats and patches, and, and uh, he leaves his critics speechless. They don't ask any more questions after this. But perhaps it's because, uh, like us, they weren't sure what in the world Jesus was talking about. So let's look a little closer at the the context and and this parable. Most scholars agree that the new wine represents Jesus' gospel message, the good news that God loves us, that he sent his son so that we could have life, 
and that life is available to everybody. The, every, pretty much everybody agrees that's what the new wine represents. And most scholars uh, teach that the old wine is the Old Testament law, the old uh, covenant. But the wineskins have been interpreted in many different and confusing ways. Some people say that the wineskins represent the uh, Jewish Old, Coven- Old Testament coven- covenant and that we know this parable is saying we no longer need the Old Testament. We, just, we don't need to pay any attention to the Old Covenant. And others say that, it, uh, that it's showing a conflict between Judaism and Christianity, that they are incompatible. And so it's been used in, in some odd kind of ways. But when you look at the parable in the context of the story that's around it, you see that the parable is simply an explanation of Jesus' choice of his disciples. When you put new wine in a new wineskin, we don't do that a lot, and if you look at pictures of it, you would know why. (laughs) You know, they take a goat, they cut the legs off, they sew it up, and it just looks nasty. I don't know why anybody would drink out of it afterwards, but... uh, But you put it in a new wineskin, the wine ferments in there, and the gases are released. And because the skin's flexible and new, it expands when all this action is going on inside of it as this wine is changing, and this grape juice really changing states. But old wineskins have already been stretched, and they get tight, and they get old, and they lose their elasticity. They no longer have the flexibility that's needed to contain all that activity. And they're unfit for new wine. And then the the wineskins in this parable then represent the people that the new wine of the gospel is to be poured into. And Jesus knew that those who were normally considered candidates to follow a rabbi had already been trained in the ways of the Pharisees and had an attitude of ungrace. They, they were scandalized by the sort of people that Jesus was calling as his disciples and by the sort of people that Jesus was offering grace to. And, you know, it wasn't that Jesus, the disciples that Jesus was calling were uneducated. Every Jewish boy at that time would have learned the scriptures up to the time they're uh, 12 years old they're memorizing scriptures. I I read in one place that um, by the time they're 12, they had memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. So every Jewish boy had been educated, but it was only the best of the best that went on in their education and were chosen by rabbis to follow them and to to, uh, learn from them. The rest of them took on a trade, like tax collecting or fishing, And so these were the men that Jesus was calling, and Jesus was calling them because they were precisely the kind of people that he could teach uh, to love and live as he loved and lived. They weren't already uh, schooled in some other kind of teaching. New wineskins are needed for new wine. New hearts are needed to be followers of Jesus Christ and dispensers of grace. So in this series, we've been talking about what is it that Jesus invites us to in the parables. Every parable is an invitation to some kind of change in our life. And so I want to talk to you about three invitations that Jesus 
makes in this parable. The first is, he's inviting us to be made new, and then be made new again and again. We, we need to be made new every morning, so we're fresh and flexible containers for the activity of the Holy Spirit in us. The old wineskins were unsuitable containers because they had lost their ability to expand and to move with the actions of the new wine. Luke 5.38 says, uh, and this is our memory verse, so let's read it together. Luke 5.38, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Luke 5.38. And the good news is that old wineskins can be made new again. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he was so offended by Jesus' gospel of grace that he persecuted Christians. Uh, he had many of them killed, and, but yet when he had an account, encounter with Jesus, his life was changed. He did a complete turnaround, and his heart was reconditioned, made new, and God filled him with his spirit and used him in amazing ways. And God can give us new hearts. New mer- His mercies are new every morning, it says in Lamentations. And we just need to ask him and then ask him again. And each day invite God to make us new, to refresh us and make us, remake us in his image. And then the second invitation of the parable is, is, is really an invitation and a warning. The first invitation is, is to stay flexible and full of the Holy Spirit. And, and then the flip side of that, though, is the warning. Uh, Jesus rejected the Pharisees, and this picture he gives them of being like dried-up old wineskins, unfit to hold the new wine of the gospel, is a warning to listeners and to us also about holding on to, too tightly to things that limit God's activity in your life. Jesus' parable warns us against holding too tightly to anything that limits God's activity in our lives. The Pharisees and John's disciples that were present that day were holding too tightly to their traditions and rules and regulations about fasting. They, They missed what was happening all around them. People were coming in to the kingdom of God through Levi's invitation to that, to that banquet. And they were sitting at a table that was actually a picture of the great wedding feast that, uh, that Jesus was uh, looking ahead to when he said, the bridegroom, uh, they, they can't fast while the bridegroom's with them, but someday they will fast. They're sitting in the midst of this picture of a wedding feast with people coming into the kingdom of God, and, the, and they missed it totally. And we all have friends and neighbors, excuse me, and so we have to be careful not to limit God by our preferences, our rules, or our traditions. And whether that's worship music styles, uh, contemporary or uh, traditional, worship time or day of the week, the location of the service, God is at work in every person's life. We're called to join him and open the door of the kingdom of God, not put barriers in the way of people that keep them out of the kingdom. And then the third thing, uh, Jesus invites us to be disciples who bridge the gap between culture and the kingdom of God. That's what Levi was doing here. He threw this party. He invited Jesus to come so his friends could 
meet him and come to know him. And they were invited in the, and were invited in this parable to be disciples who bridged the gap like Levi did between the culture and the kingdom of God to help people find and experience Jesus and life in him. And we all have friends and neighbors around us who don't go to church, don't have a church family, don't know about God's love for them. We're here to be a bridge to open the door of the kingdom. And next week we're going to start a series called Go Fish. And in that story, in that series, we're going to look at some ways that we can do that in, in today's world and bridge the gap and help people get connected to Jesus Christ. To follow Jesus is to be flexible and expandable, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, to see the opportunities God um, gives us to offer grace to others, and to move with the Spirit of God as we reach out to the world. Let, let's pray. Our loving God, we thank you for the stories, the parables of Jesus, and uh, this series, the opportunity to look at some of those and the opportunities that you've given us to, to change, to, to see the ways that you want to be at work in our lives, to be more effective at being used by you in the kingdom of God. And we pray that you'll work in our hearts and our lives, God, to help us to see how to be that bridge between the culture and the world in your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us as we leave this place to help us to do that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.